gates open, off and Skyly Sensory stayed in the gate. There's Bo Rogue being set alight immediately by Cyril Small and racing to the lead. But Bo Rogue won't give up, he's still in front. Groucho's grabbing him now. Groucho coming at Bo Rogue, don't play, getting a rails run. Bo Rogue in front, he's got a heart as big as himself. He'll win, Bo Rogue! This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and the High Gang Group. The Australian Turf Club has a ready-made draw card for the third day of the championships in the fabulous filly Fireburn, who'll attempt to win the two-year-old Triple Crown when she steps up to 1,600 metres in the Mowat and Shondon Champagne Stakes. The little filly has already created a romantic tale of the turf. Nobody wanted her sire, Rebel Dane, when he retired from the track, while her dam Mullover was one of several inexpensive mares purchased to give him a modest start at the stud. Fireburn carries the colours of Laurel Oak Bloodstock, whose founder and managing director Louis Mahika has been bringing hundreds of smaller owners into the game for more than three decades. Completing the fairy tale is the fact that jockey Brenton Abdullah is on the comeback trail following a long injury and forced layoff. It's a promoter's dream. The Laurel Oak homebred shooting for the two-year-old Grand Slam, the slipper, the sires, and the champagne stakes. It's been achieved six times so far with only one filly on the honour roll and that was burst 30 years ago. Co-feature on April 16 will be the time-honoured Sweps All-Age Stakes, but it will take a pretty good story to take the star billing away from Fireburn on the final day of the championships. A three-year-old filly called Rebel Leader attracted very little attention when she went out for a 1,400-metre maiden on the Gold Coast on Saturday, March 26. Breeding buffs may have noticed she was by Rebel Dane, sire of the Golden Slipper winner Fireburn, but her market quote of $26 indicated she boasted very little worthwhile form. In fact, she hadn't won in 10 starts. A few minutes later, Rebel Leader provided jockey and trainer with career milestones. In leading all the way to win the race, she gave 23-year-old Indiana Turner his first win as a solo trainer and Michael Hellyer his 700th as a professional jockey. The Michael Hellyer story is a fascinating one. He grew up in Wollongong and was in his mid-teens before horse racing even appeared on his radar. Young Michael went to buy his first car with brother Nathan as his advisor. He was at the McLeod Motors dealership at Oak Flats, which just happened to be owned by racing fanatic and part-time trainer Phil McLeod. When Michael walked into Phil's office to sign up for his new car, he was taken by the large display of racing photos adorning the walls. Something happened to the teenager in that magic moment. He left that dealership with a 1991 Ford Falcon and a resolve to thoroughly investigate the possibility of becoming an apprentice jockey. Whoever said a picture is worth a thousand words hit the nail on the head. I'm going to let Michael Hellyer explain how his career unfolded and how he found his way to Queensland in 2008. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Great to catch up. 
Yeah, thank you very much, John, and th- thank you very much for having me on your podcast. A pleasure, mate. Well, Rebel Leader is no Baccarat baby, but she'll <laughs> occupy a very special place in your scrapbook. You'd never been on it previously. No, no. Um, it was her first ride on her. Um, and, yeah, she um, you know, notched up my milestone. Um, you know, the plan was to go out and lead. Uh, she seems to be a lot more comfortable when she's out in front. Mm. So we did that, went out with the plan to let her bowl along comfortable, and uh, she got away with it. Rebel leader's trainer, Indiana Turner, has been stable foreman to Michael Costa for quite some time now, but has been training two or three horses in his own right from Michael's premises. Correct, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I think he did some work with um, Aquas as well. Um before he went to Michael's, I think. So he's, he's had a good background to him. Um, but, yeah, no, um, he's only got a couple in at the moment, but um, I think that might have even been my first ride for him. So mm. I've been annoying him a lot to, to give me a ride, and, yeah, he finally gave me one and it paid off. <laughs> it's well documented that Michael Costa will shortly be leaving Australia to train under contract in Dubai. And yeah. Indiana obviously sees this as the right time to launch his own career. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, the, the job he's done with Rebel Leader to get the win the other day hopefully will, will boost his training and he might be able to get some more horses in. Had you not overheard a couple of mates in the jockey's room talking about uh, an online service providing racing statistics, you mm. may not have known you were even getting close to 700 winners. No, I wouldn't have had a clue. Uh, um, mm. Yeah, the, the, a few of the boys were talking about it, and I thought, oh, when, when I get home, I might have a look, just a curiosity to see what I'm up to. And yeah, yeah, I was up to I was up to 695. So I thought, geez, I'm only five, you know, five or 700. That's a massive achievement for someone like myself. So mm. yeah, it was just basically counting counting down, the, you know, five to to the 700, and I got winners here and there, and then. Um, yeah, there was a couple of horses that just got beat by a nose and yeah. I just missed and then, uh, yeah, Rebel Leader come out and won and, yeah, finally did it. It's very much to your credit uh, that you're getting your share of rides up there because there seems to be a glut of talent in Queensland at the moment. There is. And, look, you know, most riders up here can hold their own anywhere and it is so competitive at the moment. Um you know, it's probably, uh, I think I've been in Queensland for oh, probably at least nearly 12 years now, 11, 12 years, and I've never seen it so tough. Mm. Um, you know, and I mean, some some Saturdays you see me riding at the Gold Coast on the, on the Saturday and um, most of the riders down there can, can hold their own anywhere. I mean, you've got King Callow down there at the moment, multiple group one winning rider. Um so, yeah, like it, it is very tough up here at the moment. Yeah, he'll love you calling him King Callow. <laughs> we actually call him Noel. Um, <laughs> yes, I think it was, yeah, I think it was when he was in Singapore or Malaysia or something. He had someone over there and he's Noel, Noel. So every time we see Noel, he's just, it's Noel. So, yeah. yeah. He answers to anything. <laughs> he does, yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to those early days in Wollongong and those photos hanging on Phil McLeod's wall. What was it about those photos that won you over, that caught your attention? Well, 
like obviously like I had no idea about racing so I'm looking at these photos while he was waiting and I looked at one then I looked at two and I was just walking sort of you know along the wall there looking at all of them and he must have just saw he must have walked in and just saw me that I was fascinated and um he just started explaining these horses racing and obviously I told him I knew nothing about racing yeah and Phil just explained to me how the racing industry works um and he just said, like, obviously I'm, I was very tiny, so he says, you, you would make a jockey. You're not very big. Yeah. This is, you know, this is what jockeys do, how much money they make, how it all works. And I was just like, mm. wow, that, that that's amazing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, well, I think we would have been talking for, for a good 20 minutes about it before we even started signing papers. Mm. And um, he just said to me that his nephew, uh, Kevin, was was training yeah. at, out of Campbell Grange. And, um if I was interested to go down and um, go to his stables and, and introduce myself and, you know, see if he can lead me in the right right path, and um, yeah. which, I di- which I did. I went to uh, – I gave Kevin a call and went down to the stables one afternoon. Yeah. Um, he gave me Malcolm Fitzgerald's number. Right. I think I rang Malcolm that night. Yeah. And I reckon it was two days later. I was um, – um, I met Malcolm at Warwick Farm and – we went up to Orange to a uh, jockey course. Yes, a combined TAFE and Racing New South Wales course. Malcolm travelled there with you, did he? He did, yep. Um, I would have annoyed the crap out of him because he was telling <laughs> – well, because like, I was asking so many questions and um, he told me, you know, how this TAFE works and he says after two weeks you'll do a test and everything see what you've learned. And I was just worried. I'm like, I'm not going to get this test. And he says, you'll be okay, Michael. Relax. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, but, no, he was very, very helpful. And even after that, for many years, um, Malcolm, it was a big help um, with my early career. Well, you had two weeks at Orange and then yep. you were lucky enough to secure a work experience stint with Peter yep. Nestor. At Dubbo. Couldn't have been yep. with a better bloke. Nope. And um, I think um, Kathy, was, Kathy O'Hara was out there at the time. Um, Peter mm. and his family, um, yeah, they, they brought me in like, like a, you know, one of his sons. They really looked after me, mm. um, uh, taught me the basics. Uh, I think I had my first fall out there uh, riding one of the ponies bareback and it bolted on me and I've actually mm. I still got scarred. I still got scars on my left, off my left elbow right now. From Nestor's pony. From Nestor's <laughs> pony when I landed on the bitchman. Oh dear. Uh, yeah, full gallop, had no control, and I tipped off the side and mm. landed on the bitchman there. Um, but yeah, no, um, yeah, I had a great experience out there. It was really good, and like I said, lovely family. Yeah. Well, you got a lucky break after that, and the yep. first phase of your apprenticeship was with Wade and Doreen Slinkard at Hawkesbury. Talk yep. about a home away from home. Yep. So, again, like, just brought me in. I, I had a um, little one-bedroom, like, a little shack on, on the on the property. Mm. And, um, you know, every night um, Doreen would um, invite me over to, and I had dinner with Wade and Doreen every night mm. um, in their house. Um, yeah, they treated me like family. Uh, I had... Basically, you know, if I um, needed to go to the house and do something, I was more welcome to stay there. Um, just everything you could possibly need as, as yeah. a young fellow, need help. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I did. And, and Doreen got me in, into playing golf. Yeah. Um, she was uh, she was a fanatic golf player at mm. Windsor. She may even still play today. She does, um, yeah. Yeah, and, um, yeah, I signed up to, to Windsor Golf Club and I was playing golf a couple of times a week, um, especially on the weekends when I obviously I wasn't race riding, so I had time to do it. Mm. And, um, yeah, just it was a really good hobby. Wade's talents as a trainer were exceeded only by his ability as a gourmet cook. Not a good thing for an aspiring jockey. No, no, he loved it. He loved it, absolutely loved it. And, geez, he was a good cook. Actually, both him and Doreen, very good cooks. But, yeah, yeah, Wade, oh, he loved being in the kitchen. Yeah, well, I've had the privilege of being in the same kitchen and yep. sampling the same meals prepared uh, by Wade Slinkard, and I can, yeah. like you, I can vouch for their excellence. Yes, yes, and, uh, yeah, no, that, another thing, like I said, um, every time I went over there for dinner each night, you know, you're getting a really well-cooked meal. So yeah. I was very well looked after, and like I said, they were a massive part of my early career. You then had three months back at Orange with a capable trainer called Pat Cass. Now, were yep. you riding gallops by this stage? Yeah, I, I think I had my first gallop up there. Mm. Um, you know, I did three-quarter. remember galloping in the snow one day. It was the first time I ever saw snow. Mm. And I, um, yeah, Pat and I did a bit of three-quarter on one in the, um, when there was snow everywhere. That was a bit of an experience. Mm. Um, I had a great time in Orange again. Um, I think the first six weeks I was living – I think I was out there for six months. I don't think it was three. It might have been six months I was out there. Yeah. The first couple of months I lived with um, with Pat and Kim, and then uh, I ended up uh, moving to the stables with John O'Johnson yeah. uh, at his stables and living with Scott Sheargold, mm. um on course. So, um, yeah, it was good times out at Orange. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I just – I probably cut it a bit short. I was getting quite um, homesick. Yeah. For some reason, I don't know why, like I didn't have that problem when I was at Hawkesbury, but mm. yeah, but I was just getting pretty homesick in Orange and um, yeah, I just I cut it short after six months. So I was happy mm. there. I loved working for Pat. He was a great trainer, great bloke. Um, but yeah, I just had to cut it short. I was just feeling real homesick and I, I really wanted to move back to Kembla to be close to the family. Well, you were lucky enough to have your indentures transferred to Diane Poitervin Lane and Carl yep. Poitervin at Kembla. You tell me yep. Carl was a very good jockey tutor. He was outstanding. Um, I, I'll, I'll put in, I spent some time with um, with Gwenda Markwell before um, I, I went to Diane and Carl's. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I spent uh, six months there just, just sort of get going while I was down there and she was excellent with me. Um, but, yeah, um, Diane and Carl offered me an apprenticeship with them. Mm. And um, I think I was uh, – before I was signed up to them, I was riding, you know, one or two a morning for them. And, yeah, I um, I jumped at the opportunity. And, yeah, Carl was – yeah, just everything I pretty much know today he taught me. Yeah. Um, and we we used to we used to work all, nearly nearly all day um, yeah. at Carl's because after we finished track work – He'd have the breakers to do, which mm. um, I'd jump on, and and obviously I learnt the basics, and um, yeah, we, we we just went all morning with with breakers, and um, yeah, they were both really really great for me. Mm. Well, it was in two thousand and six when you got the green light to ride in races. Now, yep. desperate yep. to get going, 
you chase two rides in one day. The yes. first in an early race at Nowra and the mm-hmm. second in a late race at Kembla and you yep. stressed yourself out for nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I um, I went to Nowra and then I had time to get up to um, to Kembla because I think they were having, um, back then they had a massive gap because Kembla used to start very early and then finish late. Mm. And, um, yeah, I went to Nowra and then, um, yeah, they – um, Carl said I got one in the last um, that they were able to set up for me to ride. Now, early in 2007 and hungry for your first winner, you noticed a horse called Another Adam had yep. been entered for an open handicap at the Sapphire Coast. No rider had been declared, so you moved swiftly. What did you yep. do? Yeah, so obviously I was doing my own rides. So I rang up uh, Chris Strickland and... Um, yeah, I just said, look, uh, you know, would you like to claim on, on that horse? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, they said that would be great, actually. They said um, it would really help the horse. So, um, yeah, I went down there and, and rode another Adam. And I think I, from memory, I think I sat third the fence. Yeah. Um, and then I got a split in between the two, went through the guts and mm-hmm. got the win. I, I reckon it would have been a good 20, 30 metres past the winning post before I realised, like, Oh crap! I just rode my first winner. Yeah, <laughs> so before it did like you. a little, yeah, yeah and um, just did a little fist pump. But yeah, I was um, you couldn't get the smile off my face. That's for sure. Mm. Another Adam was a full brother to Adam, who'd Correct. been a wonderful little horse who ran in nineteen Group One races. You know, he won mm-hmm. a Stradbroke, he won a George Main Stakes, he won close to two million dollars. Uh, the horse you won on was no slouch. He did win five races, but he was no yep. Adam. He was no Adam. He was just a, another horse. I, I don't know. I cannot remember if he had issues or not. Um, obviously, I think he started off his um, – he might have been with Joe Pride. I, I, I Don't quote me on that early mm. days. Mm. Um, I think, I'm pretty sure he was training Sydney. He just obviously, he might have had problems, hence why mm. um, Strickland's got him. But um, – uh, it doesn't matter in the end. Like I said, he, you know, he was a, he was a good horse for me, and I remember going back down riding him a couple of times as well. So, mm. you know, I'll never forget him. That's for sure. It was Diane Point of Lane who suggested a loan out to the Port Macquarie trainer Wayne Wilkes. Yep. Uh, Wayne had quite a number of horses in work at the time, and look, if it meant more rides, you would have gone to Timbuktu. <laughs> yeah, it was very hard to get rides, um, obviously being based at Kembla. Um, and I think I sat down with Diane and Carl and we were having a look up north and we could see there was a shortage of apprentices up there at the, at the time. Mm. And um, we thought, oh, maybe, you know, it might be a good idea to go on loan to see if I can get more rides, get more experience. Um, best thing I ever did. Um yeah, went up there, and I think my first my first meeting up there, I rode a winner for Wayne on yeah. a horse called Angina. Oh, yeah. Is this the I day you I, felt a little embarrassed after the race? <laughs> I thought I um I thought I rode a lot, George Moore, but when you look back at it, it was a 2,000-metre <laughs> race, and I sat four wide on it the whole way. <laughs> I can imagine that, if, um, you know, what hair Wayne had back then, he would have been pulling it out. Um mm. But yeah, I come back in. I thought I rode a lot, George Moore, but obviously, looking at it now, obviously not. But, um, 
Yeah, the she, claim must, cert. she the must claim have had a bit helped. on him, Michael. Uh, yeah, he, um, I think it was a gelding. Um, oh, was it? Yeah. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a gelding. But yeah, no, he was just too good for him. Uh, mm. <laughs> and obviously I had four kilo claim, so that was a big plus. So. Yeah. Yeah. You were riding at Grafton one day when mm-hmm. you you spotted a good sort, a <laughs> member of the human species, and you quickly discovered her name was Linda Parker and yep. that she lived coincidentally in Port Macquarie. You didn't know that at the time. So you immediately planned your strategy. Yeah, so um, actually she, was, um, she wasn't living in Port. She lived in Casino. Oh, but, she? Um, yeah. yeah, she lived in a Casino. But um, it was actually I was standing out the front. And funny story, John, I had one ride that day and it was 200 to one shot <laughs> and – I wasn't feeling the greatest, and I nearly, nearly not went. Mm. And I thought, you know what, I'll go. You know, like I was going up with Peter Graham, I think Marlon Delando. That I went up to the base with them. I wasn't feeling great, and I thought, look, I'll, I'll go anyway. Like, just, you know, I got the ride, I'll go. So I was lucky I went. But I was standing out the front talking to another jockey called uh, Melinda Kinney, mm. who Linda was really good friends with, and. Yeah, Linda just come up, started talking to us, and we just clicked straight away. Mm. And, um, yeah, we just started talking from there onwards. Mm. Well, Linda's father, Cole Parker, had a team yep. of horses in work at Mwillumbar, so yep. your apprenticeship papers got yet another transfer. Yes, yep. So I um, wanted to move up to be closer with Linda. Um, obviously, we started dating and... Um, yeah, Cole, Cole, my father-in-law was, well, now father-in-law, obviously, but he was more than happy to um, have me in his name and, um, yeah, mm. I moved from Wollombar and started my intentions with him. Yep. 2008, Cole had a filly called My My Sharona and yep. he had her in a race on the Sunshine Coast. He yep. asked you to come and ride her and that yep. trip was well worth it uh, because not only did she win but it introduced you to a man who was destined to have quite an impact on your future. Correct. Yep. Yep. Um, I think we uh, yeah, went up there and she won. And, um, yeah, I got a call from uh, Pat Duff. Mm-hmm. And straight away I knew the name. I, I, you know, I knew the apprentices he had over the years. And mm-hmm. he just invited me. He said, would you like to, you know, come up and, you know, uh, come on loan with me and I spoke to my father-in-law about it because we wanted, you know, I wanted to start riding in Queensland a lot more mm. um, and uh, I didn't even have to think twice, jumped out straight away, uh, went on loan and then ended up getting my indentures to Pat and moved to Deegan. Pat knows a good apprentice when he sees one. He's is credited with the early education of Mick Dittman and Jimmy Byrne. And others, and I know you spent mm-hmm. a very happy year with Pat at his Deegan stables. Yeah, yep. Yeah, uh, Pat and Michelle, yeah, I absolutely loved working for them. Um, they, again, like just like the other trainers I worked for, you know, brought me in like family. And um, every, uh, I think every race meeting I had would be at the stables and Pat would talk to me after the races, you know, the next morning and we'd talk about my rides and... Um, mm. You know, he was just very knowledgeable. You know, he told me where I went wrong, what I did right, um, and just gave me an abundance of rides. Like, he just supported me, backed me, and really got me going when I moved to Queensland. Very few apprentices have had more stable changes than you've had. And here's another (laughs) one. 
you spent the last year of your apprenticeship with a great trainer and a good bloke, the late Kelso Wood. Yep, yep. I spent 18 months with Kelso and, like, obviously when my time finished, I was still working for him as a senior. Um, look, I'll probably get some kick for saying it, but, if it, you know, if it wasn't for Kelso, I wouldn't have won the Jockers Premiership with Apprentice's title. No. Um he was just a master trainer. Like he, he never really had any more to, from sixteen to twenty horses in work. Mm. But let's just say he had sixteen horses in work. He thirteen or four of them were Saturday Metropolitan type horses. Oh yeah, yeah. And he was just an absolute freak with them. And you know he had different training methods. He was one on one with all the horses. Um, oh, just you, you could go to the races, John, and for some reason you'd be on one of his, and let's just say for argument's sake, you'd be twenty to one. Mm. You would think you're on a two to one pop really? because you just yeah. know you just know it's going to race well. Because Kelso never ran a horse unless he was a hundred percent confident it would run well. If mm. there was just the slightest little niggle, you yeah. wouldn't run it. Yeah. You wouldn't risk it. So every time you were on a horse for Kelso, you knew it was going to nearly win, and that's yeah. just how it went. That's just how it panned out. You were absolutely gobsmacked at the end of the 2009-2010 season to be crowned champion South East Queensland Metropolitan and Provincial Apprentice. That looks yep. pretty good on the CV, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and, um, you know, again, going back to, you know, for someone that started off with nothing and knew nothing, it's a massive achievement. And, um I had a lot of support from a lot of trainers that, that season. Um, and again, like I said, I think my strike rate with Kelso was huge. Um, he was a massive part of that. And, yeah, um, it's just something like to have on the CV, having both provincial and metropolitan. Um, yeah, it's just a massive achievement for me. Michael, just stand by for a moment. We're going to clear a okay. commitment on the podcast. We'll be back yep. with you after this. Mitovite has been producing high quality feeds and supplements for all walks of equine life for almost 40 years. Mitovite has become a household name in racing and breeding circles with products like Athlete, Formula 3 and Breeder, time-tested products in the breeding barn and on the racetrack. 26 thoroughbred Group 1 winners this season have been on a Mitovite feeding regime. From humble beginnings on the New South Wales Central Coast, Mitovite has become a world leader in equine nutrition. Infrastructure investment in the production mill and close attention to nutritional science keeps Mitovite at a standard of excellence developed over four decades. Check the website, mitovite.com, or follow the Mitovite Racing and Breeding Facebook page. The Mitovite brand has earned the respect of horse people all over the world. My special guest is Queensland jockey Michael Hellyer. David Van Dyke has been one of your most staunch supporters in recent years and was instrumental in putting you on the best horse you've ever ridden, a lovely mare called Baccarat Baby. You rode her in 21 of her 27 starts for seven wins, including the listed Princess Stakes and the Group 3 Sunshine Coast Guineas. She was very special to you, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. Um, yeah, she she was just an amazing filly. She was one I was extremely lucky to get on. Um, 
I, I don't forget I got, when uh, David rang me up to trial her because um, she was a little bit difficult early days. She used to want to get the head up and really over-race. Mm. So David um, said to me, he said, ride this filly in the trial and see how you get along with her. Mm. And um, we just clicked straight away. Um, we taught her that she used to want to go out and just, you know, bolt. Mm. We taught her to drop, to drop right out and relax and hit the line. And that's what, that's how we rode her early days, and it, it just paid dividends, and she just learned how to relax. And then in time, we were able to ride her, you know, wherever she was comfortable. She yeah. was, um, you know, you could ride a forward, you could ride a back, midfield. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was just having that click with her mm. is what, um, you know, that got me having that good association with David and, and the Harris family, the owners. Mm. Even though you'd won four races on Baccarat Baby, you didn't really expect to retain the ride when she was sent to Sydney for the Group 1 flight stakes. So it was a, a very pleasant surprise when David told you you'd be going with her. Yeah, I think I just won on her. and Because um, Dave, David mentioned to me, I think, previous race, if she wins this, that you know they had ambitions to go south with her. Mm. And... Um, yeah, I, I, literally, I think I put one foot on the ground and David just come up behind me and he says, book your tickets for Sydney. Did he? So, really? um, Did he really? I was, yeah, yeah I, was, I was absolutely stoked, you know, my first group one ride. Um, I was so excited. So, yeah, I, you know, I can't thank. And even today, like with, with everything that, you know, that the owners let me ride her everywhere, I could never thank them enough for the, for the experience. No. Well, you were involved in... A blanket finish in that flight stakes. Um, yep. I think we all remember three or four went over the line together. Ooh, Hood won it by yep. a lip. You finished uh, fifth officially, one yep. length from the winner, and you yep. really didn't get a clear crack at him. No, arguably should have finished a lot closer. Like, um, I think I drew well. I was on the inside and sort of had to make some uh, tight runs, and it just right at the end, a couple of horses. Um, that I was tracking, which probably raced a little bit disappointing. I thought they'd take me a lot further than what they did. I just got a little bit tight and ran out of room late. Mm. Um, yeah, but arguably should have finished a hell of a lot closer. With clear running. Um, I've even had some people say she probably should have nearly won, but yeah. um, you know, you never know those things. But yeah, look, she she was brave. She she raced really well. Baccarat Baby's value has gone through the roof in recent weeks because she yep. happens to be a half-sister to the current glamour mayor, Dewis. Yep. Yep. Um, what a good mayor, you know, M Milos. I mean, it's not like you've got Dewis, you've got right. I think today you've had Michi, mm. another uh, filly going around, um, Amity Gow. Mm. Um, actually, she's had some good horses. Um, but, geez, it, she's very exciting, Dewis. Um really coming into her own now. I've been watching her very closely. Edward Cummings done an amazing job with her. Mm. Um, that win the other day at Newcastle was just outstanding and I can't wait to see what she does next weekend, what other race, whatever race she goes into. Mm. Well, David Van Dyke gave you another big buzz when he sent you to Melbourne with Baccarat Baby in the yep. spring of 2018. You got to ride her in the Tristark Stakes at Caulfield and yep. the Empire Rose Stakes, Group 1 at Flemington, over the Melbourne Cup Carnival. She was out yep. of a place in both, but you were walking on air. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, 
Yeah, that was great. I uh, I think I went I went down early one Tuesday. Oh well, I went down on the Monday because David wanted me to go to Galloper at Caulfield, mm. uh, which I did, and um, she just didn't really handle Caulfield really well. And um, yeah, I, I had some jockeys tell me some horses just don't handle it. But I think she was one that didn't like it at, at all. Mm. Our Flemington was just, you know, I ran fifth. Um, obviously, got beat by Melody Bell. I think I probably got beat four or five lengths. Melody Bell won mm. quite convincingly. Mm. But, oh, geez, it was just amazing. Just the roar of the crowd, Derby Day, going down the straight at Flemington, I'll just never forget. Um, yeah. I had a good mate of mine, Andrew Gretsch, come with me down um, down to Melbourne for the day. Yeah. And um, I was just a day I'll never forget. Just, it was just massive, massive. Irish Constabulary was a nice horse you rode for John Simons and Sheila Laxon. You won yep. the Magic Millions Country Cup on Irish Constabulary and I yep. think you were just nosed out in a decent race at Doombin one day. Yeah, uh, Doombin, I remember. <laughs> um, I think my wife and I were on holidays at Aluka and um, John and Sheila said, oh, we're going to run in, in this listed race in Brisbane and I said, I said, I told my wife, I said, look, I, I've got to go and ride him. I can't not ride him. And I remember coming straight up the fence mm. and just missed, I think, probably another half a stride past the post would have won. Mm. And funny enough, I think it was one of Kelso's horse that beat me. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, another half a stride, I, I would have won the race. But, um, yeah, he come from near last at, at that day at, uh, at the Gold Coast. Mm. Um Come straight down the outside, and um, yeah, that was a massive thrill. Another, another like you know, talk about atmosphere, Magic Millions, mm. massive crowd coming down the middle of the track, and um, yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah, mm. you won a maiden for Rob Heathcote on a filly called Fem Fireball, who later yeah. went on to win seven races. Rob's thrown quite a few rides your way, hasn't he? Rob's been a massive support of mine over the years. Um, I'll never forget that actually, because when I won on Fem Fireball, um, at the, it was just a maiden at the Gold Coast. But in the manner that she won, not many horses do that. Mm. Um, I think the track was rock hard, and she come from wall back. And I remember getting off her, and and I said to uh, his uh, foreman Mel, um, I said, "This is a good horse. This I said, you got a really nice." One. And I told the connections, and said, "Look, I don't want to get your hopes up, but I said I think mm. you guys have got." Something special here. Yeah, I said not not many horses do what she done, and um, fortunately she proved me right. So yeah, yeah. Um, she went on and, and done really well. So, mm. but with Rob, I have to thank my wife for that one because I went to Macau, and my wife did my rides while I was gone. And I remember when I got back, she said to me, "You've got a ride. I got your ride for Rob Heathcote," and um, the name escapes me at the moment, but I remember it was in the orange colours. And I rode for him. It was my first ride for him. I led the whole way and won. Mm. So, and that's what got me into Rob's camp. Mm. What took you to Macau? Um, I, re- I got to represent Australia in the Apprentice Series race over there. Ah, beautiful. So, yeah. So, I think it was after the year I won the Apprentice's title. Yeah. It was Queens. It was Queensland's turn to to pick an apprentice, and because I won the title, they they mm. asked if I'd like to go to Macau, and yeah. And no luck, no luck there? No, I, no I, ran se- I ran second in the in the apprentices race mm-hmm. and um, I got to ride, it should have been my group, my first group winner. I got mm-hmm. to ride the favourite for Peter Leeshin in the group two race and um, 
nearly got put over the fence and uh, <laughs> oh got beat. So, um, but yeah, no, it was a good experience though. Mm. Um, I spent a week over there. I was over there with Jason Collett and um, also I met a good friend called Aldo De Maya, who's a very mm. good South African rider. Mm. Um, yeah, so I had a really good experience over there and um, quite enjoyed it. Just going back a little bit uh, to a nice horse you rode for Kelso Wood, Zero Rock. He never yep. stopped winning races. You rode him in three of those wins, two at yep. Doomben and one at Eagle Farm. Yeah, she was she was a great mare. Like I think I had three rides with three wins on her. Um, and I remember the third time I won on her, the, 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 they told me I could ride her, I think it was in the Victory Stakes. Mm. And unfortunately, I got suspended and um, I couldn't ride her. And I think they originally had Glenn Collis booked to ride it and um, he couldn't ride it. So Chris Muntz got on. And mm. that's how Chris, Chris and Kelso's association, I think, started. So, right. um, yeah, but um, she was another one I absolutely loved riding work. She was just a powerful, powerful mare to ride. She just gave me the best feel. And um, mm. I was very fortunate to ride her a few times. And she was my first Saturday Metro winner. For Kelso, she was my first ride for Kelso, actually. There you was go. she? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, she drew barrier 18 at Doom in 1200, three-year-old handicap, drew right out. And Kelso says, I know you've drawn bad, but he said, you got one instruction, go forward. Mm. He says, and you probably did that, and she won convincingly. So, yeah, good. Yeah. Well, mate, Linda, the girl you met at the Grafton races, is the mother of your daughter, Everly, who's coming up seven now. Does yep. she keep an eye on Dad's progress at the races? She she she, she does watch races and, um, you know, she doesn't sit down and watch races all day or anything, but, mm. you know, her and Linda always watch me watch me ride when, when they can and, um, yeah, she loves watching Daddy ride and she absolutely loves going to the races. She loves horses. Does she? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, when, when she can, she comes to the races with me and, um, yeah, she's... She's just growing up so fast, so, um, yeah, but uh, every time, like, Linda's taken multiple videos of her, you know, go, Daddy, go, Daddy, and, <laughs> you know, she'll see me getting interviewed on TV, and she'll be oh, like, that's love my that. dad, yeah. she, that's my Daddy, and, yeah, uh, it's just, oh, I love it. I love seeing those videos. It's really good. Most busy jockeys have a manager, but you choose to do the job yourself. Yeah. How do you factor that into a normal week? It's look, it's time consuming. Um, you know, like if you you want to do something, you're like, well, yeah, I can do something, but I've got rides to do. So you got noms at eleven o'clock, and I've got a bit of a system that I do now anyway. Like I speak to a lot of the trainers prior to the noms, so then when the noms come out, you've got a good idea what's going on. But right. once you've done it for so many for so long, and you look at fields, you, you sort of you know you know who's riding what and what jockey rides for what stables. So mm. when you're chasing rides, you, you sort of know what to ring up for and you sort of know who not to ring because you know who's riding them. Yeah. Um, but um, it is time-consuming, but obviously I, from speaking to a lot of trainers, they do like to deal with that person one-on-one -on -one rather than managers. Some managers can be hard to deal with. Mm. Um, I've had managers over the years. It just never quite works out. So, um, yeah, if I can do it by myself, I do it. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it's just, like I said, it is time-consuming, but I don't mind it. It's fine. You have special admiration for a few jockeys in Brisbane, none mm. more so 
than Jim Byrne, who continues yep. to ride at a very high level. Yeah, and he's just ridden at a high level his whole career and, um, you know, his professionalism and, you know, like, I mean, he's still today, like, he, you know, he just rides incredible. Like, he's, you know, he's a tactician. You know, he goes to the races. He knows every horse. He knows, um, you know, he's done his form. He watches countless videos. Um, you know, if, if I have to ask him about a horse that I'm riding, he's, you know, he's, he goes in great depth of details and, um, yeah, just got a lot of respect for him. You've only got to look at the wide range of leading stables that he rides for uh, to yeah. realise that he's held in very high regard in Brisbane. Correct, yep. And even when you have your visiting trainers come up, you know, your Snowdens, Godolphins, mm. you know, he's one of the first ones that, they, you know, that they chuck on. So um, it just yeah. shows that he's well-known Australia-wide and, um, you know, he, he's just, again, like I said, his whole career is just ridden at that high level. Jockey Jim, they call him. Jockey Jim Byrne, yeah. Uh, Jockey Jim. Um, yeah, he's just, um, it suits he's just him. a really good rider. <laughs> it does. It does suit him, yeah. You there's Jockey forged. Jim. There's Angry Jim. He, he's got a few names there. <laughs> Angry Jim, I can't imagine it. I remember, I can't remember who it was. Someone called him, they call him the, uh, I remember they used to call him the plover. Yeah. Because when when he'd come down the straight, you could hear him coming. He'd make a sort of plover noise, sort of like a get, get, and it sounded like a plover. So, yeah, that's another one for him. Oh, gee. I'm glad you told me I'll put that one on him. Yeah, I remember the plover is another one. You forged a good association recently with John and Scott Morrissey training team. Yes. Um, that's probably an association that's been over the years, probably even early days when I moved to Queensland. Um mm. They've they've always been a massive support of mine. Um, it was obviously with, with John early days, and then Scott went out on his own as well. And to this day, uh, I think I had uh, three, four rides for Scott the other day. Mm. Um, I got a couple for him coming up this weekend, come, uh, the next weekend coming. Mm. They've always been big supporters of mine, and um, yeah, no, um, just a lot of luck for them. Written a lot of winners for them. Mm. You're 34 years old, Mike, and your weight is manageable, isn't it? You're probably yep. around 55 at the moment, comfortably. Yeah, about 55, 56 at the moment, comfortable. Um, mm. If I've got to get you know down low, I can just diet for it, get down to it. Um, I think a couple of years ago, two years back, right, actually, I had to ride 51 in the Stradbroke, and um, mm. unfortunately, she was first emergency and didn't get a run, but. I was able to pick up a ride of the Dolphins on the day for a horse called Rainier. And, um, oh, you rode him, that's right. Yeah, yeah and um, mine didn't get a run and I think Larry Cassidy hurt himself the day before and I was on the phone to um, to James Cummings and, he, and you know, putting my name forward yeah. the morning of the races and said, look, I, I can ride the weight. I said, I'm, I'm down to 51 and, um, yeah, so I was able to get my weight down low and I think it was between myself and uh, Ryan Wiggins and Ryan couldn't make the weight, he could ride over and mm. I got a call from um, from James said, you can ride the horse. Yeah. So that's very lucky. Yeah, now, Michael, just remind me, where yeah. Rainier wasn't all that far away, was he? She ran, no, um, um, ran fifth. Yeah. Um, only got beat, I think, length and a half mm. in the Stradbroke and... Um, you know, I, I drew quite awkward and my instructions were just where it's comfortable. I think I was out the back. I never travelled a yard. 
Mm. The 500, I thought he was really struggling because obviously the track was quite firm. Mm. Flew up the inside, got beat length and a half. And I mm. think it was the first Godolphin horse past the post. And um, mm. they were absolutely rough through that. I mean, um, you know, to run fifth, not beaten far. Mm. A group one with, with that horse. So, mm. yeah, I was absolutely rough to get the ride. Let's hope history repeats itself in the future and you can get on another one of of the Godolphin yeah, horses. Yeah, um, I spoke to. I remember speaking to James after the after on the way home after the race, and um, yeah, he, he you know he did say he was very happy with my ride, and um, you know you never know in the future there might be something else there. Mm, beautiful. Do you keep any official race photos in the house? Um, I have got some. Yeah. Um, mm. They're probably not hanging up at the moment. I might have one or two hanging up in the room, but mm. a lot of the photos on the wall, my, my wife's art and um, photos that she does. So, But, yeah, I do have racing photos. Mm. No, I'm just thinking it would be hard for you to look at them without thinking about those photos in Phil McLeod's office <laughs> at Oak Flats all those yep. years ago because yep. that yep. was the start of it all, Michael. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, and, again, like I said, he, I could have bought my car anywhere else. It could have been anywhere else in the in, in the Wollongong region mm. and I would never have got into racing. I would have been yeah. a carpenter, which is what, you know, I, I had passion about when I was in school. Yeah. Loved, I love woodwork. And, yeah, if it wasn't for that car yard, if it wasn't for Phil, yeah. I wouldn't be talking to you today. Yeah. A picture is worth a thousand words. Correct. Yep. Well, Mike, 700 winners is testimony to your ability and to your work ethic, and you may now aim up for the next milestone of 1,000. Yep, next goal. And I probably won't, and I probably won't even look at that website for another couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I'll have a, I'll have a look in a couple of years to see how my progress is going. But um, yeah, yeah, that's the next goal now, a thousand, and um, I'm very confident in myself that I can do it. Michael Hellyer, been a delight having you on the podcast this morning. Thank you for your time on a Sunday morning and keep up the good work. Thank you very much. And again, look, it's it's an honour to be on your podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. Trainers strive to have horses spot on for race day. Fuel cells up, the right mental state, the right fitness levels. Equally important is the horse's capacity to recover quickly from racing and track work. The aim is to give owners every opportunity to win optimum prize money by keeping a horse in training for as long as possible. High Gain Recuperate is a powerful blend of electrolytes, B-group vitamins and vitamin E in paste form which can be administered after fast work and in the days leading up to a race to assist recovery. 30ml of Recuperate drawn from the 500ml bulk pack is the economical alternative to individual electrolyte and vitamin paste syringes. High Gain Recuperate powers performance and recovery. Visit the High Gain website and use promo code johntap.racing to receive 15% off your next Recuperate purchase.